We are the existentialists. Four existential psychotherapists invite you to join us in a dialogue about what it means to live an existentially tuned life. Your hosts are Xavier Williams, therapist in Vancouver, Canada. Janelle Dresner, therapist in Edmonton, Canada. Chelsea Stenner, therapist in South Surrey, Canada. And Mihaela Lounano, therapist in Vancouver, Canada. Hello and welcome to episode 8 of season 2 of our Encountering series. And today we're going to be encountering pain. Uh, pain in, in in all its forms, uh, physical pain, emotional pain, psychic pain, existential pain, spiritual pain, and and indeed, as we go through that, we 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 intend to also end up um, in suffering um, through really encountering all those various uh, types of pain and experiences, and and maybe transforming it into into suffering, so that we might be able to to bear it, really. A bit, a bit, a bit better, a little bit more, a little bit easier. Um, so, um, where do we start with with pain? I'm sure every listener that is listening, or million of you, let's say, <laughs> for argument's sake, um, let's hope, um, has felt pain, knows what pain feels like. Um, what do we have to say about pain? Well, what you just said is uh, great for the beginning, that pain is omnipresent and it's an intrinsic part of the human experience. Except for those people who, who come into the world without capacity to feel pain, I think that's a rare disorder, right? I think we, we all feel pain of one kind or another, right? And as we go through life, it's impossible not to, not to feel pain. So I think maybe we can start with, uh, as you said, um, describing what pain is, how we experience it, the various kinds of pain and how, how they how they come to be. But I think for me the interest from an existential perspective is how we encounter the pain and how we bear it, like through suffering. And maybe even understand it. Maybe even some people would uh, say that uh, we can even find some meaning in suffering or some suffering is has some meaning and does not to again to be prescriptive that it has to be that way but it opens a, a possibility for that but what is pain yeah how we define it if we were to attempt a definition that is not necessarily from wikipedia or dictionary but based more of our experience i think i think it's important to i know that you brought up like suffering but to isolate the phenomena of pain um as separate from suffering, maybe perhaps they're sisters, they can coexist, um, but the experience of pain doesn't necessarily have to be that of suffering. It can certainly lead to suffering um, and they can be felt together, but I think the experience of pain, um, whether it's emotional or physical, um, just in very broad terms, has something to do with a feeling of, of hurt. Um, something is, is hurting, um, and there's often discomfort. 
with that, um, maybe even distress. Um, but pain can also, I think, depending upon perhaps what is causing it, can also uh, manifest in different ways, whether it's more of like a, just like on a sensation level, like a, an ache or something that's dull or something that's deep, or it could also be sharp and acute. Um, so, yeah, I think it, it really, really depends on perhaps the origin or what's, what's causing it. And, and maybe we don't even know that. Um, but there's many, yeah, I think pain is very diverse in how it's felt and how it's experienced. Is pain not sending us a message? I think in, in its most basic form, if we just think about physical pain, right? You put your hand on a hot stove and you'll, you know, you'll feel pain and, and the pain directs you to hopefully <laughs> remove your hand from the hot plate. Um, if we move into, or, you know, if you've got, you, you injure yourself, right? It's, it, it, in theory, encourages you to take care of that wound and then to tend to it and, and deal with it. Um, same with, say, a broken heart and and what have you. Um, I, I guess that feeds with what Chelsea was saying, that pain um, makes us aware that something is hurting or we've been hurt, that there is a sort of a damage or a, a threat of uh, that is hurting us. And it's also like um, definitely f- my experience of pain is definitely uncomfortable, unpleasant, and it leads to some kind of hardening most of the times, like uh, trying to, which is obviously uh, increases the pain, right? Like uh, tightening that um, area of my body that is hurting and rather than perhaps opening and and uh, making room for it. So it's something that I think we do tend to fight or we want to have removed, so to speak, because it's, it's a powerful message, yes, that it's hurting. We are hurting. And for maybe signals even a sense of danger that we should do something to, to stop it. But I'm also intrigued, Josie, what is it for you? You said something about uh, pain and suffering. And I think that was also Sav brought up and I said that also it's good to distinguish between them. But did you, um, yeah, what do you mean by that? What is pain and what is suffering? You said that pain doesn't necessarily lead to suffering, and I think, yes, like some people can definitely experience pain that is not encountered and is not suffering, is not a pain that can that we can bear. The suffering, that term means to bear, to literally to bear whatever it is. And so is this how you meant it? Or did you mean that for some people, pain doesn't lead to suffering because it can be actually pleasant or it can be actually something that they uh, um, welcome in their lives. I think that that can be the case. That's not exactly kind of where I was going with it. Um, it, Yeah, it's interesting that you say, yeah, the suffering is kind of the the bearing. Um, However, I, I find that with pain in particular, and I do work with a lot of individuals who suffer from like chronic physical pain. Um, And in my experience and myself personally, as somebody who also suffers with that, um, 
actually I should retract that a little bit. I have suffered with it. It's not always a suffering. And I think part of what, what that distinction is, is in fact the, the tolerance or the acceptance of the pain, like pain that can be lived with or coexisting alongside of is, does not necessarily, I think, bring about the same extent of suffering. Um, I find that there's, in my own experience, the more I've resisted the pain, hated the pain, the more intolerable it has been to me, the, the, the more I haven't accepted it um, or even kind of spoken kindly to it or of it, um, it, the suffering becomes worse. In my experience, like it becomes painful to be in pain. Um, so I think that's kind of more the distinction that I was speaking to is that I think that there, because pain is part of life, it's part of existence, I think in very perhaps acute or high, high extreme levels of it, of course, there's going to be more suffering um, because it, it does make it very hard to engage with one's life and to live um, or maybe abilities are changed and those kinds of things. Um, but I do think that there is a role for, you know, pain is like an uninvited guest that's there and how, how I engage with that guest kind of tends to dictate how much suffering there might be. For me, I can't speak to how it is for everyone, but um, in my case, that's that's what I've found. Yeah, because I guess for you, suffering doesn't mean just bear it, like to bear and to endure. Mm -hmm. It's also the um, emotional emotional tone of unpleasant that taking away from life. Mm -hmm. Like it's not simply I'm enduring my suffering, mm -hmm. like in a stoic way. Like, so she's about stoicism. Okay. Yeah. Like, I think, it, it, yeah, at least when I have suffered, there's an element of, like, anguish yeah. to it. Yeah. So perhaps we have a, 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 a distinction between, say, a, let's call it a colloquial idea of suffering and the existential idea of suffering. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I, think, I think so. Yeah, because for me, like, yeah, if there is anguish and there is still resistance and fighting, Probably that's, um, yeah, probably it's not suffering. It's not like bearing it. It's still fighting it and resisting it and causes a lot of unpleasant and pain. And But that's more like still in the um, area of pain mm. while suffering is enduring. And But then I guess you also are interested interesting like accepting pain or are you accepting suffering? I'm I'm so glad we are talking about this because yes I agree so we are I think we are using the words a bit differently. But I think that um, I think you clarified it nicely though, Chelsea. I think you you, know, you said that anguish, right? That that real, <coughs> and that's a word that certainly for me is is torturous. Like it really is, beyond which um, which I would also if somebody said to me I'm suffering I would also go there. Um, Although I do have, you know, existentially, I would, I would, um, uh, go, go, you know, go, go the other direction as well. 
And for me, I would go to anguish is a beautiful word, word actually. And but I would think that's more pain, not quite suffering in, in the existential view. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I, yeah, very important. But I guess yeah, I agree with you too that I don't think people distinguish necessarily, right? And when someone says I'm suffering, they mean probably a lot of time anguish. But we are the existentialist podcast, and we are trying to. Uh, help people live an existentially attuned life. So it's good that we make this distinction. Yeah, so the distinction is, is between pain that leads to anguish or uh, um, anguish and some uh, endurance versus pain that is accepted. But when you accept pain, Charles, would you say that you still experience it? Of course you are still experiencing it. You just make room for it, like, right? So you are bearing it. So you are suffering it in existential terms. Mm-hmm. You are not mm-hmm. getting rid of it. You don't take a pill and it's gone, right? It's still there and it's still you are aware of it. And maybe it's not all-consuming, but y- it's there. And you are aware of it and you bear it. There is a lot of energy and effort in that. Yeah, like to continue kind of with that metaphor of the uninvited or perhaps unwanted guest. If you're sitting down at a table together, it's not like, you know, I'm waiting for that guest to leave or I'm asking that guest to leave it's like okay that that guest is at the table and it becomes maybe about dialoguing and like we're both here together I love the idea of dialoguing with the pain can we play with that a bit like with that metaphor like if the pain is at the table with us as an uninvited guest what may we want to ask the guest, or like, well, how how are we? I think that's powerful. Like, how do we strike a dialogue with the pain? That's a good question because, as as Chelsea was kind of elaborating, that that uninvited guest that I'm not, I can't ask to leave, right? Isn't going to leave. I just imagine being at a dinner table with somebody that I can't suffer, like that is really insufferable, and just being there and going, oh my god, I've got it. Like I, I have to talk to like I I can't get up and leave and they're not leaving and I can you know there's a few people that <laughs> kinda of bump into my head and I just oh the frustration would be for me just and I'm not sure there's a there's a part of me that just wants to shut down and say no uh 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 I'll just be silent. I think that would be more like, we'll call this coping reactions stuff, <laughs> but let's try to dialogue though. Like, let's say you went through the coping reactions and saying no and shutting down. And how how do we strike a dialogue? I'm very intrigued by that metaphor, Chelsea. Because I also, of course, as a human being, I tend to, again, to harden and to want, I don't want this. <laughs> and if there is a pill, I take it. Right, thank you very much. But like, but like, how do we strike a, a dialogue? I think that's what we mean by encountering pain, really. Well, I think you said it just a couple minutes ago. At least as a starting point, is um, making room for like there is there is space here and acknowledging. Um, okay, pain pain is here, and. Um, and what is it like mm-hmm. for me? What is it like for you? What is the, the texture of the pain? Mm-hmm. Perhaps there is a message to it, like Zav was saying. Maybe there isn't, or it's unexplained or unknown. Um, I find, too, 
that having a, a curiosity or perhaps if possible, even a tenderness towards it um, makes it, I know we're talking about bearing pain, but makes it more bearable to dialogue with. I find when it's kind of ignored or, um, or punished or hated, just kind of like we were talking about in the last episode with anxiety, it can also get louder, like the presence of it um, can become perhaps more painful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and another thing is like to keep in check is to stay again with what is there, with the experience, and to let go of some expectations, like I shouldn't be in pain, this shouldn't happen to me, I, I should feel better by now. I tried all these pills and treatments and now it should be over. Why am I still in pain? I hear that a lot from clients after accidents and um, injuries, right? Like and um, when the pain persists for longer and becomes chronic pain, it's um, it cannot be this way. So it's it should have been different. It should be different by now. And I guess that makes it very hard to be with the uninvited guest because all the time you only wanting to kick him out or her or them whatever the pronoun is for the guest Mm -hmm. yeah it becomes about um like fixating on it being there when you know quote unquote or air quotes it shouldn't be well what is that shouldn't be i mean it is so there can be a, a lot of pain from from imagining or perhaps longing for it not to be there, to fantasize about it being something different than what it is. Um, and, and it's not to say that it's like pleasurable by any means to dialogue with pain or to give pain a seat at the table and to acknowledge its existence and acknowledge that it's there. It's, it doesn't have to be pleasant. Um, but I think there is an element of it becoming less painful when we're not fighting its existence. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. And it's um, coming back to reality. Again, I'm st- uh, again like it's coming back to what is rather than what we would like to be, what should it be. And realizing, hopefully, that that pain or some pains do not threaten our existence they are very inconvenient and unpleasant and frustrating but also like um, not feeling threatened and hence having courage to to make some room for it like what i'm hearing you say is that like there is space enough at the table like i can still continue to be here and pain can also be here too yeah, exactly. Yeah, and I'm not going to be annihilated. I'm not going to be destroyed by it. And maybe then some dialogue is possible and maybe I can hear a message. Maybe. Or maybe, but it doesn't have to be that way. So are we are we um I mean I think we're talking globally here about pain. In whichever pains we're feeling, whether it's you know a chronic physical pain or, or an intense emotional 
everlasting heartbreak or longing or deep wound or and so on and so forth. Yeah. Yeah, and I think the point of like this is I think the first step, crucial step to be able to be with pain and not to feel <laughs> exterminated by it is to realize that even with chronic pain, it's I'm still me. It's not the pain is not uh, ruling my life. It's not um, the pain is an uninvited guest, but I'm still in my house, so to speak. I'm still in my home. It's still me. Because what I notice also with people with chronic pain is like the pain leads the show. I mean, for for real, like like how often, like what pills do they take? How the intensity of the pain? I mean, their life is completely controlled by the pain and the management of pain. Like literally, there is nothing else or very little left. Except for this uh, preoccupation is how I don't feel pain. How can I control my guest? And that takes uh, enormous energy and it disconnects someone from themselves. And there is a bit of self-loss there as well. Because the pain is, becomes, <laughs> it's not just a guest. It controls someone's life. Yeah, and I, th- I think that's a lot to do with ability mm-hmm. um, because it does or it can end up taking up so much mm-hmm. space and limit really really limiting mm-hmm. ability like in the case of you know severe accident or injury um, and I think we often identify with what we can and can't do um, in terms of our, our personal sense of who we are, at least is expressed perhaps in some form by what we can and can't do. And so I know for me, in having not been in pain and then having been in pain, there has been also a bit of like an identity shift or um, a process of grief in that too, like being able to recognize um, how I was before and how I am after uh, I'm still me but the expression of that um, has changed in terms of ability in, um, in what way just you mean just to clarify you are talking about uh, before being in pain and after being in pain or like you were in pain and now you are not and so that's the before and after um I wasn't in pain and now I'm in pain. Okay, okay, mm-hmm. okay, got it. And so, yeah, what is the shift in identity that you notice? I think this is so important because I also have a similar experience with clients with chronic pain. Like there is something profoundly shifting in their identity and they cannot articulate it. It's hard to, to grasp and that is very confusing and adds to the anxiety. So I think I think perhaps it's, it's not so much the identity the identity that changes as is the expression of it. Um, And I, it's, it's really hard to not be able to express oneself fully or how you did before. And so I think that's where it can kind of enter the waters of it feeling like a shift in identity and who I am but there's a loss of capacity in that expression of it, for example. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's such an intricate connection between what do you say, FM1, the capacity, and FM3, the self and who I am. Because you are right, like we, 
even who we are and our sense of self-worth is connected to self-confidence, which is given by what we can do. So capacity and who we are are very interconnected. And definitely, I mean, I hear uh, people with chronic pain after a while, right, saying, I, I don't recognize myself. I'm not the person I was. That person is dead. I do not. So it's like they articulate changes in terms of who they were. And maybe recognizing that that person is dead, it's kind of the beginning of mourning, the grieving that you're talking about. And at the same time, it's it's a loss of capacity. So I guess I wonder if you find it helpful to um, be specific about it. Like you say, it's loss of capacity. It's the same. You said it actually. It's not a change in identity. Like just to be very specific that it's a loss of capacity. I think a loss of capacity, there, there is certainly like a connection to identity because... Um, the, the evolution of what happens, like to no longer express something, for example, or be able to do something um, or take action with how you were before, um, that recognition piece, like you said with your clients, it, it, does, um, it does manifest. Like it is hard to recognize. I know I can say for myself, I don't feel like I'm the same person um so I guess I can connect with the same identity in the sense of there's now grief I can sense the loss that that part of myself can't be what it was um but I think it's really complicated like this is where we tread a really really fine or diffuse line between ability and um, and who we are like it, it becomes difficult to to really draw that line clearly yeah yeah that's definitely my experience like especially listening carefully to how again people with chronic pain describe their experience there is a significant impact at least on who they are, how they perceive themselves to be in the world, in relationships, um, due to this chronic pain. So it's almost like the uninvited guest is definitely present in their life. It's not just a, an object that we can hide. It's taking space and doing whatever it's supposed to do. And I cannot remain the same similarly with like if I'm alone like by myself in a room and I do my stuff and if someone steps in and if it's even they don't even address me but they sit at the same table with me it changes how I behave it changes how I perceive myself it, even the mere presence of an, of an uninvited guest is changing me I, I find sometimes to look at it like in the terms of volume um, to be helpful, like volume of the self, um, because pain is very fatiguing and often energy is a component of that. And so a person is still the same person and the same self, but perhaps the volume of what it would be if they 
weren't necessarily in pain to the extent that they are, like it would be, it would be louder. It would be with more vitality, more fullness. Yeah, absolutely. I, I'm so glad that we, we kind of took this um, um, a little bit segue into, into the connection between identity, one sense of self, self-expression and, and pain and loss of capacity. But going back to the dialogue with Spain, I think, yeah, so making space, um, acknowledging that there will be an impact letting go of the expectations of how it should be or what we legitimately may want to be and what it's normal in air quotes like how it should be so that's also important and I, I wonder to what um, in at what point then we can talk about um, suffering as bearing the pain and I think acceptance is more than that so I wonder if we can make that distinction like what um, what else about this dialogue like how how do we live with pain i feel like that's a million dollar question there um yeah i, I don't know i was trying i was following as as you know as chelsea was was um, you know describing it fantastically obviously from personal and professional kind of experiences and um um, um, it got me wondering about not so much chronic phys- physical pain, but you know emotional pain. You know, kind of say of depression or or of a, you know any range of other um, uh, you know emotional psychological issues, um, and 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 wondering, yeah, like how 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 it applies, how it's how it would be different. How do we? move to to an acceptance to a suffering i don't know it's a there's part of me that and maybe this is the um existentialist tending towards stoic in me that just kind of says well we do (laughs) um you know what's that um um, stoicism's on my mind because i I had a wonderful experience with a client yesterday who kind of had a major breakthrough in terms of emotional pain um and uh, I think one of the tenets of Stoicism is is the uh, the um, uh, the obstacle is the way. Almost that the suffering is the only way, right? It's there. It's going to be there, and so you have to encounter it. That sounds awfully non-existentialistic <laughs> because we don't have to actually. Actually, we can say no to pain. We can even <laughs> find ways to exit completely. Uh, dealing with the um, unintended guests, so I, I think it's there is that freedom. But I'm thinking about maybe um, I'm thinking about uh, Frankl's book, uh, Man's Search for Meaning, and then some of his other writings and lectures mm. when he speaks about situations that are un unsolvable and we cannot. Uh, there is no solution, and there are kind of limit situations, and we don't have much capacity to change the situation. <laughs> we cannot kick the guest out we establish that so what do we do and i think it takes me to the existential turn like instead of like trying hard to fix it or to to try hard to find something that i can do to control that to ask the question okay given that this is here what am i asked to do what am i invited to do how am i invited to live my life and what do i say to this like as a person not just as a <laughs> passive victim 
right? But as a person, what do I say to this? I have to live with this uninvited guest day and night sometimes. I don't want it. <laughs> but, but tough luck. This is this is what it is. Like what is my response? And what question do I hear in it for me? So we get to that 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 famous phrase of I can change my attitude towards something. Right? And that, that's kind of almost it's one of my favorite lines from existential from the training is is what is my position? What do I say to it? And and that that is that is not to be confused is why does it happen to me? Because <laughs> some people say like why does it happen to me? And then they search, I don't know, including in the stars, if maybe something happened, misaligned. That you know, I'm not talking about that making sense. And why does it happen to me? But like really listening, like why is this this uninvited guest is visiting me? <laughs> <laughs> How? What's my position? Yeah, what do I say to this? I'm not a passive victim. Also, at the beginning, totally it feels that way. But as I live with this. What am I invited to to answer? I don't know if that makes sense to you, Chelsea, with your own experience. Since I, I feel that in this episode we are really kind of drawing a bit more, maybe on on your experience, if you are willing to, of course. Yeah, um, I think I think for me. And I, I'm sure the question, it will be perhaps a different question for, for whoever's asking the question. Um, but for me, it has been about a number of things. It's been how do I live with change? How do I continue to detect my own essence as a person? Um, how, how do I pivot as well? How, how else can I express myself? It also opens other abilities. Um, maybe things that I, I didn't tap into before. Mm -hmm. Um, it's also been a, a, a big um, learning around, you know, discovering kind of what that message is, um, being or becoming in closer connection to my body, noticing it more, um, dialoguing with it more. Um, so I think the the pain has developed some other capacities that perhaps I may not have um, stumbled upon or, mm -hmm. or found. Um, so I think, I think maybe the, the question for me, if I was to answer it, would be, okay, so the, the pain is here, and what can you personally discover now mm -hmm. yeah or what what, what is, is possible mm -hmm. what is possible yeah mm -hmm. what mm -hmm. yeah how 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 do you be now mm -hmm. oh this is so beautiful chelsea i love it how you describe it and it also strikes me that an experience that usually is hardening and is like you know we tend to harden and to tense up and to reject it 
actually it could be could be heard as an invitation to flexibility. I like that a lot, like being flexible and discovery and curiosity and freedom ultimately. Perhaps more freedom than when we imagine life to be in a certain way. That's so paradoxical. Yeah, it's um it's developed a better capacity in me to take care of myself. I live a far healthier life than I did before. I listen to my body a lot more than I did before. And I take care of myself a lot more than I did before. So it's, um, it's actually brought out a lot of um, nurture, self-nurture. And I, th- I think what you um, describe here and kind of help us understand is really what we mean by the title of this episode, Encountering Pain. This is truly, <laughs> I would say, what encountering pain is. When you are fully present and open yourself to these possibilities that you did not ask for, like you didn't ask, obviously, to, to be in pain, but you are open to explore day by day and to discover. I think that is, um, I'm so grateful that you shared this because this is really um, what you, the uh, lived experience of encountering pain. And I also, I also appreciate that you, um, you made us aware that this encountering pain is not pleasurable and is not like, you know, ecstatic, right? It's still pain <laughs> that we encounter, but it doesn't have to be that uh, anguish or anguish suffering. Mm-hmm. It's, it's bearable and more. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there's certainly a difference there that that bearable suffering like it's not like it's going to go away it's something that's bared um but it's like it's no longer torturous thank you i'm yeah i'm very moved very grateful for this and i think that's really encountering pain and i i want to come back to your question too sub about different kinds of pain like does it uh, is it the same way for um emotional pain it, it, it is a uh, interesting to explore and in some ways i i imagine yes and at least in perhaps the approach or the attitude or the taking a position answering asking that you know not ask so much asking that question but responding um uh but it, yeah it, it's um it, it, it's been um pretty neat and i almost kind of there's part of me that kind of uh almost doesn't want to explore that right now just simply because what you know what Chelsea's shared with us is is so much more of an encounter of pain or any of the other topics we brought up that talking about them intellectually may, wouldn't really suffice I don't think I don't know um, uh, and really I think as 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 a demonstration of what we mean by an existential attitude um we couldn't really have asked for anything better um it really is i know sometimes we talk about you know uh 
rather intellectual concepts and philosophical things. And But really what it is about and what I think we started the podcast about was so that people could do this, could sit at home and listen and start doing the kinds of things that Chelsea shared that you know, we've each done in different ways and different on different topics and different avenues. Um, so, yeah, really cool, really... Um, uh, trying to think of the right word, um, really powerful. I suppose that 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 Chelsea kind of you know, that you shared that with us that you were willing to. Um, I mean, I suppose that's also testament to what you've done and how much you've done on it, which is really you know. Um, I actually, you know, kind of listening to it, I was like, wow, that you know, what would I do in that situation? And then when you kind of, um, kind of culminated in the that fabulous question that that you kind of are, are answering um i was like oh it made me so happy actually <laughs> which is a bit i felt a bit strange to feel happy about your pain but it wasn't that, that you know that that you have seemingly you know you know uh grown from this um yeah, sorry to kind of put you all on the spot there and just focus. But it's but it's 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 hard not to. Yeah, yeah, it it really was, you know, pretty quite moving. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you for sharing how, I guess, yeah, your own, um, your own impressions of how my experience has landed for you. That's, um, yeah. It I guess it feels a bit. Uh, it feels warm and inviting and yeah I, I feel kind of grateful for not I was not planning to take up <laughs> that space um but yeah I feel grateful for for both of you and kind of being able to mm-hmm. to study and look at that experience together I'm also okay to if we want to do a similar thing with perhaps emotional pain or relational pain or if there's an experience that yeah either of you have that we can kind of look at more closely in a similar way that we've looked at you know physical pain for me I don't know if that's if that's yeah what you'd like to do but but we could also do that if encountering is kind of important. Yeah, I, I, I think we absolutely can. And, and, you know, especially, you know, that as you've, as you've suggested that, you know, um, you know, you're, you're good for that and, and um, good for that. That sounds like it's a terrible phrasing of, excuse my, <laughs> um, but, but, but yeah, I mean, I think we can take that same, the same approach, the same attitudes, the same questions. Um, so, Emo, you know, emotional pain. It's like physical pain, uh, physical way, uh, existential pain, spiritual pain. Perhaps might what might be more more interesting and 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 better. Also, given that we don't have oodles of time, um, is is in what way would those other ones be unique? Like, would they be different? Say to 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 the experience of of that physical pain. Yeah, that was my exp- uh, question exactly. And what exactly is existential pain, by the way? And because emotional pain, I guess we we kind of understand if we are hurt, like in relationships or by ourselves sometimes, right? And we feel, um, yeah, we feel. Or when um, actually the experience of emotional pain also is related to, I mean, 
you know, primordially to the experience of being uh, left alone is overwhelming, uh, distressing experience, emotional experience, right? Uh, also the pain of not being with oneself, right? Disconnected and completely um, lonely and disconnected. But existential pain. Yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd say the, the way I see existential pain is, is really the... The, the pain that arises from a, from a non-acceptance of the conditions of existence. Um, if we take them at the, um, in the kind of um, North American existential version, the, the kind of um, ones described by Yalom mm-hmm. um, of, um, uh, you know, death anxiety, essentially that we will all die. Um, that we have existential freedom. In other words, we can, we're free to do anything really. Um, I think in previous episode I said I'm free to walk out and go and murder somebody in the street if I <laughs> so chose to. Um, um, the uh, existential isolation, right? That I will, no matter how close you or me or Chelsea ever get to each other, we will never actually know what it's like to be the other. Um, and then uh, the fourth one, what am I missing? Um, meaninglessness, right? That there is no ultimate meaning in the universe. Um, and and that really from that meaning is to be made, right? You find meaning. Um, and uh, a lot of people, a lot of people suffer with that. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people don't, partly because we ignore it, we distract ourselves with other things. But a lot of the time it's when we're really confronted by what it means to actually be alive, mm-hmm. to to exist within these parameters. Um, it can be variously terrifying um lonely desperately lonely confusing um yeah mm-hmm. and and i guess the pandemic right the <laughs> really highlighted that it almost like we are both under a giant microscope like all these <laughs> fears all this anguish is even more prevalent now more acute now right and i mean we most of us at least want to stay alive and we are fighting to get a vaccine and all that at the same time. <laughs> we complain about how lonely it is and how difficult it is. So it's it's like we really are um, in in that anguish. Yeah, I- indeed. And, and um, even kind of, you know, today there's a um, uh, an anti-mask rally down the road. Mm-hmm. Um, thankfully, a very small one. Uh, <laughs> but, um, you know, there's, a, there's that, one of the major claims is, is you're infringing on my freedom. You can't tell me what to do. And uh, I've had a few discussions with clients who kind of have a, a, maybe a bit of a strand of this. And I said, but you could just choose to not wear a mask. You are free to do that. Uh, maybe in some countries you might get thrown in jail. So far, not here. Um, and, and it's almost, I almost see that as a refusal to engage with an existential freedom, right? And that, um, and that whole thing. And then the other part of, of obviously, of the pandemic, kind of in terms of um, uh, we're being asked not to do anything in the face of, so we're being confronted by, as you say, these, this microscope, there's all these existential freedoms and being asked not to do anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and so I guess that's, um, that also accentuates the pains that we feel, uh, the existential pain that you said, that by not um, encountering properly these givens of existence or not knowing how to how to respond to, to those, how to listen for the question 
that they are posing us. Like, this is a very interesting situation with the masks and <laughs> anti-maskers. Like, what are you asked to do in this situation? What is your value? Right? Because people are usually confused. Like, again, like it's like, oh, I, I want to do what I want. But I want to be allowed to do what I want. <laughs> Just like, and with the protest, what we talked about, right? Like, I want to protest, but actually, I don't want to get in trouble. Well, guess what? <laughs> it's not possible. So, yeah. So, this is, okay. Thank you for clarifying about existential pain. And spiritual pain? Isn't the whole point is you're not supposed to ask questions. You're supposed to answer them. What is the world asking you about spiritual pain? Yeah, I, I'm just, I'm just <laughs> uh, sincerely. I've been from the first moment, and I said the spiritual pain. I understand spiritual suffering, right? As one, I bring myself to that. But spiritual pain, like anguish over perhaps uh, an unresponsive God, anguish because God uh, allows horrible things to happen sometimes, anguish over is there a God? Like that is where I go. But it's more on a personal level, like when I I still bring myself to to that encounter. It's not it doesn't feel as passive perhaps as when I have a headache, which I do. Like it's kinda of like it's here and I suffer it. But it's yeah, I don't know if we I, I, w- I was about to say is it, it it's a kind of it's not done to me, it doesn't just happen. Uh, there's a kind of a except except if you're brought up in such a, 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 a context in which life is dedicated to you know, religion, spirituality, where, where life doesn't really exist outside of that. And so you don't know any other way. Um, I imagine that's probably where, mostly where spiritual pain would, would exist. And when, yeah, it's the whole discourse about being condemned, damnation, all that, all that discourse may, may definitely... You know, engender um, a sort of a anguish, right? And yeah, I don't know. What did you say, Chelsea? It's I don't I don't know if I totally would like the um, the overall kind of like you know is there a God? Isn't there God? Why is there pain? Why is there suffering? I mean, to me, that falls more under the existential pain than this than spiritual pain and then same with like with the I would distinguish maybe perhaps I don't know the the religious condemnation and and stuff like that from spiritual pain um at at least for me I'm kind of conceptualizing spiritual pain to be perhaps a little bit more um about fulfillment and purpose like am I am I living a a fulfilling life do I experience fulfillment perhaps I don't know I I feel a bit tangled up with the spiritual pain concept to me it overlaps with existential and emotional yeah I I, I think I would go with you on that Chelsea I mean yeah from a personal point of view as being somebody who is a religious and I think we've discovered a spiritual, <laughs> um, but but I would probably tend towards the 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 meaningless, right? The, the that fulfillment. Um, although it did re- remind me of an, an encounter I had on on the street once, and um, I was about to get on a on a bus, and there's a man standing at the bookshop at the bookshop at the bus stop, and uh, he was he wanted to know if I had accepted Jesus, 
I think. I think he was. I think he was Jehovah's Witness. I couldn't couldn't be sure. Um, and I said to him, I said to him, no, and you know, you're speaking to the wrong person here. And he's like, well, what do you mean? And I'm like, well, I don't, I don't believe in God. And the shock, the the horror on his face, that, and he said, but, but don't you want to go to heaven? Like, don't you, you know, aren't you afraid of hell? And and I said, well, actually, no, it doesn't bother me. <laughs> And he was bewildered, but but not just bewildered in a kind of a huh, puzzled way. Like really, he was terrified, and and I could imagine that being for him spiritual pain. Like to this idea that there would be somebody who wouldn't want to, or who who would be okay with going to hell or what have you. But in my interpretation, I would also tend toward the existential. But but perhaps that's what we. So, yeah, so when you word it like that, like, back when I was religious, and fundamentally so, there was a lot of spiritual pain, more so around, or I guess what I would have labeled as spiritual pain, um, as like, am I going to heaven? Am I going to hell? Have I lost my salvation? That kind of stuff. Um, but I, I don't, to me, that that doesn't actually feel spiritual. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's not spiritual at all. It's be, it feels like manipulation. I'm sorry. Exactly. Maybe it I'm too like harsh here. But that's horrible manipulation. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Mm-hmm. That has nothing to do with the spiritual. Yeah, I would agree that the spiritual, and I think we, in existential analysis and logotherapy, right, we do acknowledge that the spiritual or noetic dimension corresponds to the um, dimension of meaning and fulfillment, horizon, future, and, and all that. So I think, yeah, like maybe sometimes even longing for um, fulfillment or um, can can cause some some anguish, but it's, uh, it's definitely more for me to... And you also say that the person and the noetic and the spiritual is not sick, right? So it's, to a degree, is it um, um, in pain? Can you just for our listeners um, elaborate a little bit about that? About why 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 can't the person be sick? Because this is this is our core. This is who we are, and we can get a sickness, like psychological or physical, right? But that uh, in our essence, because you are undetermined, free, and continuously, like kind of with that that flow of energy, the dynamic character of the person is constantly kind of renewing itself. It's it's not like trapped into a, a sickness. But you can experience lots of sicknesses as we know. Mm. We kind of kind of define the person as that p- the potential. Mm-hmm. And right? the not, freedom. N- not not as the kind of again the colloquial example of oh you're a person, I'm a person. Yeah, it's essentially free. And it's not fallen it cannot fall sick per se, like being trapped in a certain limitation is a sickness, but definitely we can experience lots of sickness, like physically, psychologically. So I guess just to be totally, maybe it's not possibly totally clear, but clearer than it is, are we like coming to an understanding that spiritual pain is, isn't a thing? Is that? Spiritual pain is existential pain. I think is the simplest 
I, I think this what is a choice. I'm not sure if it's a clear understanding or it's like kind of like uh, <laughs> grounded in anything else, but what uh, transpired from this dialogue, but it seems to, this is what they seem to say, to be saying. I think for me it's also, it's a pain that has a specific content, like it's <laughs> that the content of religious, spiritual, so I guess the content also determines the kind of pain. Anyway, I don't think this is an essential point. <laughs> Anyways, for me, for this discussion, like to situate that. So, so then, what what else do we have to say about pain? We have talked a bit about the suffering, and the, we distinguished colloquial, the colloquial term of suffering, and the existential version of suffering. Um, uh, what what else do we have to say? I almost I uh, I almost want to go back to Chelsea's sharing, <laughs> not to. Again, put a spotlight spotlight on you and to um, to kind of ask you to to share more, but like almost like to not to lose uh, <laughs> the gems in there and kind of to reflect and maybe summarize, uh, like for again for listeners who are in pain, who who maybe not cannot even suffer the pain, but they are in anguish and maybe hopelessness over pain. What is possible? Like what uh, we talk about the pain opening possibilities, and also how to get there. Uh, that was the curiosity I wanted to ask you, Chelsea, back then. But I said, okay, that's definitely too much, <laughs> right? But how did you do that journey? Was it um, alone? Was it because I was thinking for emotional pain, for example, and you brought it up, self that to me, relational emotional pain require almost like for I don't know, full healing or like uh, acceptance of it the presence of the other, right? It's kind of hard for me to imagine healing <laughs> or um, accepting a pain that is inflicted in a relationship, like solely by going to my room and crying my eyes out or whatever I'm doing. So I, I was just curious, like, like, what can someone do and how to do it? Yeah, I, m I, m I imagine, you know, would it be fair to say that all all relational pain is al um, always comes as a result of being in relation first, and we lose it or we reject it or abandoned or what have you, and so any dealing with that requires a relation, a relationship. Um, but and so maybe that I don't know. We still have <laughs> we still asked Chelsea a question. You know, did like did she do that alone? Maybe that's the best question to connect the two. Or, or did you do it alone? Is part of it. How did you um, go from yeah being in pain to realizing that profound shift? Like it, this opens up possibilities. There is um, there is a future with this. There is a, a a discovery that comes with this. Yeah, um, I think there's there's a behavior that tends to happen with pain where you you try to get rid of it mm -hmm. you try to um yeah do whatever you can to not have it be there anymore um so if kind of like most picturing like pain in if you were to kind of objectify it in whatever form in front of you it's something i think one of the pain behaviors is to just push against that thing with all your might and it, it doesn't move. Um, and so I think, I think for me, what, 
happened was I stopped pushing. I stopped trying to get rid of it. And in if, to just go with that image in, you know, pulling my hands back away from pushing against it, I also then realized, oh, look where else I can turn now. Like there's, there are other directions, there, there are other paths, there's other possibilities. Um, I, I can move around with the pain. I can, I can take it with me. I can dialogue with it. It's there. Um, but I'm no longer trying to annihilate it. So there's, I think part of it is that, yeah, just that acceptance um, that it's with it's with me and and that's okay so I think that was that was the how I um I think for everyone how you get there is different um and I think some some people also maybe get stuck and don't get there and just keep pushing and pushing and pushing and pushing and I think our culture doesn't help with that we have a very pain phobic culture and even if you share about your pain when I've shared about it before um, people will ask oh you're still in pain or they'll try to give you suggestions in terms of okay have you tried this oh but you know this person was really helpful or this thing was really helpful or have you done this have you done that just more ways to kind of keep trying to push pain out of your reality um, and so I think that can also be part of the stuckness, but, um, I think, I think I realized there's other things I can do that is not resisting it, trying to get rid of it, trying to push it out of my life and then orienting in that direction. It, it, it's almost feels that you put the pain in its place. Like it's a guest, but it's not the entire household and the entire yeah. life. There are other things to do. And yeah, it's refocusing from what you cannot do. And that obsession I can, I have to get rid of this to what is still left for you to do. And what also what I notice is clients with chronic pain is like they sometimes, yeah, there are many people get stuck and they have considerable energy to push sometimes I wish if you could just stop pushing you'll have so much energy to actually enjoy some parts of your life but this obsession and this energy that is consuming to pushing and it's understandable we all want to be pain-free I guess it's we, we prefer that way as human beings but like the energy consumed in, in that pushing and if that energy could be freed there is so much more that they can discover. And what I also notice is that sometimes people stop pushing because they get drained. They have no energy, and then they crash. And that's another possible exit, but it comes with higher costs, including depression, possibly hopelessness, and all that. But sometimes people stop pushing because they don't have energy left. Yeah, and thank you for the note about the culture. Mm. Yes, that that question, are you still in pain, makes me so mad. Like <laughs> that, it's even it it comes with such a cruel expectation or and judgment. Like, what are you doing wrong? What's wrong with you? Like, you shouldn't be still in pain. And I guess that uh, that also affects 
at least, um, well, not I noticed um, the therapist, the therapist, these clients and uh, their capacity to mm-hmm. heal. And this comes even, f- these expectations come even from the family, from close people or friends. And they are so damaging because they take these people away from their reality. Yeah, yeah on, on the emotional um, uh, pain front, I, I hear that more frequently than I would like um, from from clients who say, you know, their parent, people or parents or family will like, you're still going to therapy? As if, you know, you should have been done, you know, aren't you sorted out now? <laughs> um, which, is, which is always frustrating to hear. Were there any other, um, as you see, yeah, you called them, you call them nuggets that, that we could distill from, from, from the episode. I mean, you, you, uh, you, you, both you and Chelsea have kind of given a great, um, yeah, uh, highlight of, of, of those, of, of the, the steps, the attitudes, the stances, the, the turns, anything else that we might want to highlight that we haven't? I, I don't know, <laughs> something maybe a little bit strange, but like, I remember even in in the training in the EA training we we talked about it like maybe to to bring a little bit of pain in our lives to train ourselves to our capacity to endure pain I remember the <laughs> famous example of to take a cold shower that makes me cringe right now so it's like <laughs> I don't want to do it but I kind of training even in those things like with um, uh, inflicting a little bit of pain, not in a self-harming way, but like, you know, to <laughs> more like in the stoic <laughs> idea that you brought up, Sal. Like, not um, always counting on the easy way out or the pleasant experience, like developing some capacity to to encounter the unpleasant, at least, if not the painful. Yeah, to, to not always be comfortable, to feel discomfort, to feel um, and a, a very simple way, you know, the cold shower is the one, um, the other way is, is just holding an ice cube, mm-hmm. right, and seeing how long you can do that or what happens when you do it. And um, and really kind of, to I want to maybe rescue stoicism a little bit, you know, that phrase that the obstacle is the way, it's not so much that you can't, you can, you can't not choose it, it's that by choosing it, you develop the capacities, you, you learn how to, you, you develop, yeah, um, ways around. But I think that's another way of um, um, expressing the idea of the existential turn. Yeah. <laughs> the obstacle is the way. It's like, yeah, well, listen for it and, and go through it and then you'll, you'll find a way. I, I personally see, feel like stoicism and existentialism are basically the same thing. Okay. <laughs> With this um, self-disclosure <laughs> and confession, <laughs> I'm not sure where you can go mm. now. Are you going to change the title of the podcast, the Stoics? <laughs> no, not at all. I might, I might be doing a disservice to the Stoics. <laughs> maybe, maybe they don't want to be existentialists. I don't know. Yeah, it's just for that, me. That that brings me lots of pain. Like if we change into the Stoics now, anyway, just joking. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I again, I'm, I'm left at the end of this, and was again with with a lot of gratitude for what you shared, Chelsea, and uh, feeling very moved and very drawn, and uh, kind of participating in in what you shared and with a lot of, um, not so much like, uh, you know, cognitive steps and stuff like that, but really felt experience um, uh, and felt knowing of what you share. So I really wanted to say again, thank you for, for you being willing to share that. I think that was very precious for me and I, I hope for the listener. I'm pretty sure for the listeners as well. 
Oh yeah, for me as well, and I'm, I'm, I, I can well imagine um, their listeners sitting, listening to this, going, "Wow!" Like they're, they're, that they would sit there afterwards. You know, sometimes you listen to something and you, oh, okay, end of that one. Next, I, I, I'm, I'm imagining a lot of listeners kind of sitting in in silence for a bit, and really kind of recognizing it was yeah, very, very powerfully moving, mm-hmm. and and fantastic that. A that you well that you should, but B that you you've got to that point. I'm I'm really really pleased for you. Well, thank you, thank you both for the invitation and the openness to receiving my experience too. So I was, yeah, I feel a lot of gratitude for our time together today. And and so then, as ever, all we're left with is our existential question. So our existential question for you listeners today is if pain shows up in your life as an unexpected, uninvited guest, how do you receive it? Thank you for being with us today and we'll look forward to being with you again next time. Follow us on Instagram at Existentialist Podcast and let us know your answer to today's existential question. To learn more about us, listen to and learn about other episodes, visit our website at existentialistpodcast.com.